Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 32, I think. I wasn't even thinking to look. Yeah, yep. 32. 32 bit. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, better known as PC Nerd 37, alongside, alongside my co host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going well. Oh, that's good to hear. Anything wonderful and exciting happening with you? Uh, actually, my sister's getting married on Friday. Oh, congratulations to her. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I've never really been to a family wedding before. I've been to mine, of course, but uh, I've never been to anyone else's that wasn't just a friend, so let's, hopefully I won't get too verklempt and emotional. Yeah, I don't even know the last time I went to a, a wedding of a family member. I mean, I've, there's been some like some aunts and some uncles and cousins and stuff like that. went to a cousin's last year, but I don't know the last time I went to any that was real close family or if I've ever really gotten to any that's real close family come to think of it I don't know I've got a my, my mom's best friend's daughter's getting married in like two weeks so I've got that to not really look forward to but <laughs> at least there's usually free food at weddings so that's all that matters yeah well I'm actually not in the wedding which is a little surprising so I'm not doing any ushering or anything so I'll take a lot of pictures and I get to relax and just sit back and, and observe that's the way you ha- want to do it. You don't have to dress up all formal and tuxedos and everything. Just sit back, take pictures, and eat the food. Yeah. That That's the way to do it. Yeah, I, I plan on eating a lot of food and <laughs> taking tons of pictures, a little bit of video, and make sure that uh, I get every little bit of emotion. <laughs> yeah, well, that should be a fun time. So hopefully that all turns out well. Yeah, I hope so. A uh, couple of quick things before we jump into the stories. Yes, I know I haven't updated the Global Geek News blog, and yes, I intend to update it again. Um, it's been a little over a week since I've done anything with it. I've got some ideas, which hopefully those will come out sometime this week. Um, I don't think there was anything else real major. No guests this week. I'm sure that's kind of obvious but th- by this point. But I think last week was probably our best show that we've ever had and I was with as nervous as I was about having two guests I was kind of I was amazed at how well it turned out yeah it, it turned out very well we we didn't step all over each other um, as much as I expected yeah it, tur- it turned out real well I think it was by far our best show and hopefully we'll do some more shows with three or four people in the future which I'm looking at who I want to get for next week so if you have any ideas for guests uh, leave them in the comments or just shoot me an email, shoot me something on Twitter, I don't care, all that will be I'll go through all of those at the end of the show, but don't forget you can follow along with us through our show notes at globalgeeknews.com so with that said, I guess we can go ahead and jump right into the stories uh Yes, uh, our first story is about uh, crisis adverted uh, as AT&T pisses off, then makes up with 4chan. Yeah, this was huge last night. I don't know how many people were following it, but this kind of like overtook the internet last night. And it was all over Twitter, friend feed, Facebook, you name it. It was pretty much everywhere. What happened was, and nobody really knew all the details until 
this morning. Last night, all, the only thing that anybody knew was that AT&T was blocking a couple of the parts of 4chan. I believe it was the images board and something else. But apparently, what happened was someone was getting... Uh, or 4chan has been undergoing a denial-of-service attack for the past three weeks. Well, I guess they went through and kind of traced down who the people were that were doing that and decided to send them a denial-of-service themselves, and I guess some of the packets kind of went astray or whatever and were giving a denial-of-service attack to some of AT&T's customers. So AT&T fired back by just blocking those that particular server off of 4chan. Right, to all their customers, not just the ones that were affected by uh, these uh, illicit packets. Right. Well, if anybody who knows about the internet, especially the darker side of the internet, knows that the one group of, the one community you don't want to piss off is 4chan. Because this is like where all the big hackers hang out and everything. I mean, I was sitting on my computer last night, late into the night, just watching the reaction on 4chan, because I'm on Comcast, so I wasn't blocked, and I was just watching all the planning. They had several websites set up, um, Encyclo... I, I can't even think of it now. It's like Encyclopedia Dramatica or something like that. They had organ- they had some organizing going on, and there was a, another forums that they were starting to organize attacks and stuff, and it seemed like they were mainly going to attack... I can't think of his name. Randall, uh, it's the CEO of AT&T. Randall, I can't think of it now. But they had... Uh, Randall Stevenson. Yeah. Well, they had shared all of his contact information around, and it seemed like everybody was going to complain to him, go after him, do whatever they could in his direction. They were... Well, they killed him. Well, yeah, that, that was... That was just one of them. One of one of the reports was that they were going to the next day on Twitter and everything, go on and say that the CEO died of a drug overdose in his house or whatever, to hopefully tank the company's stock. They also had the idea of saying that um, AT&T's con- exclusivity contract with Apple for the iPhone was going to end sooner than expected, to hopefully make the stock tank and had a number of different ideas. I even saw people throwing around the idea of um, initiating a denial-of-service attack against AT&T's DNS servers. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, 4chan is not a group you want to screw with. Definitely not. Yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of fun watching everything that they were talking about doing and everything. And it was a good thing that AT&T unblocked them hours later. Otherwise... If there's one group that could potentially take down the entire internet, it's the hackers at 4chan. You do not want to piss them off. Yeah, I'm looking at it, there's a lot of updates, a lot of back and forths. Of course, it's it's one company against you know hundreds of people, uh, even thousands, um, that they can mobilize. Um, and uh, I, I, it looked like this was like the Cuban Missile Crisis all over again. And that, the thermal nuclear warheads were almost lost. <laughs> yeah, this... This had the potential to be extremely ugly. I this could have this could have taken out pretty much all AT&T's customers, if not a good portion of the internet, depending on just how hard the 4chan people decided to go after it. Because these people are known for 
defacing and taking down websites and all kinds of stuff. So these aren't really people you want to screw with. But um, on the other note, um, that the the last update to the story here on TechCrunch, uh, there's a letter from Moot saying that they've been under attack for several weeks now. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anyone would like to donate any hardware to help run the site, that they're more than willing to take it. So if anybody want to make nice with 4chan, this is an opening. Yeah. Well, I can't say that AT&T would make nice with them, but I guess if you've got some extra hardware lying around, you can send it to them just... Kind of be aware of the kind of people you're sending it to. These are a bunch of hackers. There's known to be child porn on 4chan. Although, from what I hear, that's generally usually taken down right away. But it's just an area that I would say 99.9% of people on the internet wouldn't want to go. But Yeah, I, I know I wouldn't open up my ports to them. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to watch out for stuff that you go to on there and click on and stuff like that. That's why when I was on there last night, I was being extremely careful because you just don't trust those people over there. Yeah. Oof. Um, one place that I do trust with my data is Netflix. Yeah, speaking of another nail-biter, yeah. uh, apparently the Netflix $1 million um, recommendation engine prize competition ended yesterday with a little bit of a buzzer beater. Apparently, there were a couple of different groups. Well, the whole contest has been running for, I think, two years now. and Three, three years. years? Yeah, three years. Okay, three years now. And it's basically Amazon saying that we'll give a million bucks to... Netflix. Netflix, I mean, not yeah. Amazon yet. They have, they have a, yeah. 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 <laughs> you have some inside information you're not sharing with the rest of the class? No, just jumping the gun. Um, anyway, Netflix, apparently they're going to pay a million bucks to the person or people that come up with a some improvements to their recommendation engine that, or their movie recommendation engine that are at least, that make it at least 10% better than what it is now. This is kind of their way of basically cheaply upgrading their recommendation engine. So, about a, I believe it was a month ago yesterday someone finally submitted something that was 10% better, and from that point, there's it starts a 30-day countdown that everybody else, all the competition and everything, has 30 days to get in their submissions, and apparently there were in, ended up being two teams, uh, Belcor's Pragmatic Chaos, and... Uh, what, what was the it? Ensemble. Yeah, the Ensemble. It was to where they were just within the last few minutes of the competition, they were submitting changes and stuff to their algorithms and everything to try and win. And there hasn't been an official announcement yet, but it looks like, according to um, Belcor's Pragmatic Chaos in the contest forums, that the ensemble won by 0.01% with an improvement of 10.10% compared to 10.9%, which is what Belcor's Pragmatic Chaos had. Yeah, from my understanding, it seems like they came up with this specific data set, and uh, you do you put in your algorithms, and it pops out what percent improvement that you got, and that's where they're getting these 10% numbers. And then what they're doing, um, and this is so this is one test, and what Netflix is doing, I think, is they're taking the algorithms... And then they're going over different sets of data 
generalizing and seeing how well the algorithms do on multiple uh, samples of the data set. And then they'll come up with a winner in a couple of weeks. Uh, but I think the the um, pra- pragmatics uh, have conceded to the ensemble team. Yeah, it seems like it. And this was going back in the last day or so. There were several submissions. I think the last submission by the ensemble struck. They submitted it like four minutes before the deadline, I believe I heard. Yeah, definitely a buzz- buzzer beater. Yeah, that I don't know. It kind of surprises me that they're submitting revisions and stuff four minutes within the end of the competition, yet they had three years to do the competition. I, I, I can't believe that it's actually taken them somebody three years to come up with these, with some kind of a ten percent improvement. Yeah, it's scary how they're able to crank out those incremental uh, improvements in the last few minutes. Um, it kind of makes you wonder if they're giving another three years, uh, how far they can actually take it. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what happens with this. I don't know. It, I'm I'm a Netflix subscriber, and generally the recommendations aren't horrible. They're not the best, but I I certainly look forward to a 10% improvement, and I. I'd say it'd almost be a good idea to go ahead and start up another challenge right now for another 10%. Yeah, I, I agree. that It's not horrible. It's not the best. So in that wall of recommendations, when you select a, a movie, I usually only get maybe one or two that I'm somewhat interested in. Um, but then again, I mean, I don't really use Netflix for their recommendation engine. I don't say, oh, well, I'm just going to go on Netflix and see what they recommend for me to watch. I mean, my queue is already, I would say, like 30 movies deep of stuff that I need to watch anyway. So uh, um, this might help some people, um, but I'm not one of them. Yeah, I usually have between 40 and 50 in my queue at any time. And a lot of those are just what I happen to come across through their recommendations based on other movies that I liked. Because usually by the time a movie comes out on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, I usually don't remember the name of it or the fact that I wanted to see it. But Yeah. Yeah, well, good on them anyway. Uh, um, Amazon got what they needed. Sorry, Amazon. <laughs> Netflix got what they needed, and uh, one of these teams are going to be a million dollars richer, so win-win for both. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know just how big the teams are, though million bucks split how many ways mm. well well <laughs> I mean how many ways would it not be worth it yeah. see something like this I would think would make for like a decent project for like a computer science class like make it your final project or something like that oh it would be awesome if a professor assigned it and like didn't say that there was a prize yeah and then <laughs> just yeah then the professor turned it in and claimed it that would exactly see that would be the smart thing to do but nobody ever thinks of these things or, you know, what they say, componentize it, like, uh, and give everyone a separate piece so nobody knows exactly what they're working towards as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the way people need to be, more more sneaky like that. But speaking of not being sneaky, rumors are going around that AOL is going to spin off Bebo into an independent company. Yeah, from, uh, so Bebo was purchased about a year and a half ago, at the beginning of 2008, uh, and sold to AOL for $850 million. This is a lot of money, which I didn't know AOL had that kind of cash last year. Uh, 
And uh, apparently the the new head of AOL is saying, well, I wasn't here when it was purchased, and uh, apparently he's not a fan, so he's looking to spin it off to AOL Ventures. Yeah, personally, I don't think AOL should have ever purchased Bebo in the first place. I mean, it doesn't really go with anything that they're doing, and AOL doesn't really have the reputation anymore to be able to um, make a product like this thrive like it should. And from what I've heard, I think Bebo's actually been bleeding users for a while to Facebook now. Yeah, but it seems like they have a high enough user base that they're still pretty decent. Um uh, I wonder if most of those users are overseas and not local. Yeah, they're overseas. I can't remember which countries mainly use Bebo. I want to say it's like Brazil and stuff, but I'm not real sure now that I think about it. Yeah. With the, the um, way that things are going with social networking, um, it sounds like if they were able to incorporate maybe other social networking services mm-hmm. um, and they would either retain if not grow some of their users. Only thing with when you see properties like this that are purchased by larger entities and corporations, they pretty much sit on it and they don't grow it and they don't invest the money that it needs to um, actually take it, the business to the next level. And I think um, they thought that they were making an investment that would just keep paying off and paying off without them having to uh, make sure it's sustained uh, with cash flow and uh, engineering and innovation. Yeah, I think there's some companies that can get away with just letting it do its own thing. I mean, Amazon's a great uh, indicator of that. I mean, they've. I saw a thing, I think it was on TechCrunch earlier, of all the different companies that they own. And most of them, you don't really see an Amazon presence behind them. Like, apparently they own IMDB. You don't really see much of the presence yep. there. Yep. Um, and they had their a search. They've got that. They now have Zappos, which they, I guess that probably hasn't been totally taken over yet, so that you can't really count that. Uh, they have Animoto, which I never even realized they had purchased Animoto. Um, uh, they have Audible. I've, yep. I'm an Audible subscriber. I don't notice any difference between what it was before and what it is now. I mean, they just buy all these successful properties and just kind of let them do their own thing for the most part. Well, that's the thing. They're successful. They're they're, they're leaders in their respective uh, sections, and so uh, I wouldn't call Bebo one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at even at its prime, I don't I don't think it was ever uh, the top of its game. Yeah. Well, the only thing I think AOL has that's really any value anymore is possibly AIM, and even that, I don't think very many people use it anymore, at least not like they used to. Yeah. Does AIM have a web client? Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't even know the last time I used AIM. Usually I use some kind of third-party IM system like Pigeon, or lately I've been playing with Digsby a little bit. So and that that's usually what I use. Yeah. Well, um, the, it sounds like there there's not a lot of creative people around these companies. It's so sad. They have all this money, all these uh, other sub companies. Um, you, you'd think that someone would just say, you know what, this is what we should do. Let's reinvent the company and and you know just have a go at it. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be much in the way of CEOs or anything with any vision, that, and that's. That's a sad thing. There, there's a couple of companies that have it. I mean, Zappos was one of them, 
but when it comes to these big major companies like an Amazon or a Microsoft or anything like that, nobody seems to have, have any vision anymore. Yeah. They should just take Messenger, AOL Messenger, and make it a Twitter client, and then boom, you're done. Yeah, I think something like that would be huge. Or Yeah, even if it fails horribly, it says, oh, what, look, AOL's doing something that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even, actually, I think if they would come up with some kind of a, like a partnership with Facebook and have integration with the Facebook chat, I think that could really breathe an all-new life into AIM, too. Yeah, I, I, it's just, uh, I hope, I, I really hope they don't die, but it looks like they're heading that way. They're just, just leaking money. They need to just think think hard. Um, hopefully this whole time that they've been quiet, because I, I, they don't even make noises right now too much. Uh, the whole time they've been quiet, hopefully they've just been planning something huge. Yeah. Well, speaking of companies that are looking to get dumped by their owners, apparently Skype, which... This has nothing to do with being dumped by eBay or anything like that. But apparently the Russians are afraid that Skype is a threat to national security. Yeah, this read like a a, a free advertisement from Russia. <laughs> Skype is so secure that we can't eavesdrop you into conversations. Uh, it says, like, we've tried everything, but we can't crack their 256-bit encryption. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about Skype is the calls and chats and stuff are all encrypted. That's one of the great things about it. Although, I can I, I can kind of see why the Russians are afraid of it just because of how big the Russian mafia still is. So I, I can kind of see their point, but at the same time, I don't think you should really try and ban Skype or something for that. Well, one thing they're not harping on, but that at least none of the major headlines are going over... But it seems like they're just losing money in their telcos. Their telcos um, uh, are losing business to Skype, and they find it as an uh, economic threat, not a security threat for the most part. And, and uh, I just think it's been, the story's been sens- sensationalized just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait a second. We're on Skype, right? This call's not recorded, right? Right. Okay, good. Um, sounds like they're just... No, I'm uh, recording it, but that, that's <laughs> totally different. Uh, okay, okay. Good. <laughs> uh, um, it, so it's just that they're just trying to... It's just protection, protectionism, that they just want to um, be able to control it, uh, both in listening and uh, also in making money, getting a slice of the pie. Yeah, I think the prices are one of the great things about Skype, because when you look at Skype, at least from if you're in the USA or I think maybe Canada and stuff, their international rates for whatever, it of course usually depends on the country, and of course Skype to Skype is free, but um, when you're doing international calling to landlines or cell phones, they're generally a lot cheaper than any long distance carrier you you tend to have, or a 1010-321 or whatever those numbers used to be, and which I don't even know if those are even still around anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I, uh, I think um, with the stability of the economy, uh, uh, well, uh, relative speaking to uh, Russia, mm-hmm. I think maybe you get more bang for your buck uh, converting it into U.S. dollars and using it on spy- Skype instead of uh, keeping it in what would they use ruples? I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so I think it's probably just that conversion alone makes Skype a little more economic. Yeah. Well, I don't see why the Russians would be 
that would carry that much about it. I mean, they've got enough hackers in Russia with enough botnets that they they could probably get into anybody's computer that they wanted. They didn't. They wouldn't have to use Skype. Yeah, privacy concerns are a lot different there than they are here, um, and you can tell because there's an uproar on Facebook because of privacy. Yeah, this is something I actually came across. Was it I guess Friday or whatever Thursday or Friday? I started seeing it come across a number of the. I think it was a couple of my family members. They were basically like the, a Facebook equivalent of retweeting, where in their status updates they would say that Facebook is working with third-party advertisers, letting them use your photos so that they can make ads out of them and whatever, and that you needed to go into the certain section in the privacy settings and change it so that they couldn't do this or whatever, when all along I knew it was complete crap. And it, it's taken me a little bit to convince everybody else of that. And what was one of the amazing things is a lot of people don't check this out. I mean, something like this would be in the terms of service. If you go into the terms right. of service of Facebook, they haven't changed since November, I think like 28th or something like that. It was late November, I believe. So and not and every, every little change you hear about it too. Someone writes a blog post on it. Yeah, ever since the last time they tried to put through changes. Everybody's been keeping a real close eye on them, anyway. So something like this, it would have shown up in the on a like a TechCrunch or something like that long before I had ever seen it starting to float around on Facebook itself. Well, I mean, I think ads using other people's faces are a little, you know, would be humorous. I mean, I would love to see uh, my face on someone else's page, like for a Viagra ad. I think that'd be hilarious. Well, I got to digging into this to try and figure out if there was any truth to this and since then Facebook's come out and said that this is this violates their policies and stuff and the, the offending ad networks the two of them that were involved or whatever have been since banned but when I got to looking into this apparently the story goes that apparently there's a married couple that's on Facebook and a an ad uh, some kind of an ad agency for a dating site took one of the photos of the wife and put her in the advertisement. Well, the advertisement was given to the husband that came up saying he could meet the woman of his dreams and it's got his wife's <laughs> picture there or something like that. Well, apparently they were a little concerned about it and alerted Facebook and then Facebook took the appropriate measures from there, but apparently they ended up having a pretty good sense of humor about it from what I've heard. <laughs> I would too. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that woman looks exactly like my wife." <laughs> yeah, that that would make me a little nervous. I mean, I've seen for many years like dating websites use popular images, like Im maybe images of celebrities or people that might be like celebrities on the internet or something like that. But this is the first time I ever heard about them doing it on Facebook. Yeah, well, I'm glad that Facebook is cracking down, especially since they've had problems before with privacy. Um, so they're, uh, according to the, the updates here that were towards the end of the story, it says that they're engaging these different third-party advertisers before it actually became a thing. Um, so uh, at least they're having a, a, a team find this stuff before we find it. Uh, but it just it seems like they weren't able to act on it before other people discovered the problem. Also. Yeah. Well, if you're concerned about this thing, you don't need to go change any of your settings. Facebook's banned the offenders and whatever. So make sure all your friends and family and whatever on Facebook know that. 
And if you need links for anything, let me know. I've got them because I've I pretty much had to have them to convince my friends and family and stuff that this wasn't true. So, but yeah, this. I knew something wasn't quite right when it came across. I knew something was fishy. I figured somebody was playing a joke or something. I didn't realize that there was a little a little bit of truth to it, not what everybody thought it was, but that there was at least some truth to it. Yeah, and hopefully if they do roll out something like this, they've learned from Beacon that it should be opt-in and not opt-out. And uh, from our next story, it looks like uh, Microsoft is going to let you opt-in to whatever browser you want in the EU. Yeah, this is this is kind of a little bit of a turn from, I believe, a story that we talked about earlier, and that before, Microsoft was saying for the EU, since the EU was getting all hot and bothered over the fact that they were bundling IE with Windows 7, well, originally, Microsoft said, okay, you just won't get a browser. Well, now they've changed their mind, and now they're going to, I guess, on install, give you a browser ballot so that you can select whatever browser you want or at least within what's on the given ballot and then Windows will go out, get it, and install it for you when you install Windows 7. This, of course, is only if you're in the EU. Yeah. Uh, Personally, um, I can see both sides of this, but I am... I'm actually on the side of Microsoft on this one, as in I think they should have stuck to their guns and not given uh, EU a browser at all. Uh, the the reason for that the reason for that is because um, now they're going to have to maintain this third party list of browsers, and uh, since this is at startup, that means that you know during the configuration that means you, the user won't have internet access, and so the list that's presented will be a stale list by default. So um, now was it last week that uh, Firefox had some updates because there was uh, some scripting problems, uh, yeah. and, and so they could be distributing uh, browsers with known holes in it that they can't maintain. Well, uh, I would assume that they've that they maybe have some kind of an arrangement with these different browser companies like Mozilla and Opera and stuff, where when a new they'll just give a generic URL or whatever that is used for um, doing this ballot, the browser ballot thing, and that way you'll always get the most up-to-date version. That that, well, that ass- would be my guess of how it's going to ass- work. That's assuming that they have internet access. Yeah. Well, uh, if you don't have internet access, you really don't need a browser anyway, unless you're on, like, an intranet or something. Well, it seems like, it seems like people would choose on setup, meaning mm-hmm. that they're setting up their system, meaning that you haven't set up your internet connection. Mm-hmm. So thus, this this list was going to be old uh, because yeah. you don't have an internet connection right when you turn on your computer for the first time because mm-hmm. you have to put in your web key or your WPA or whatever kind of encryption and then go through that. That's all that after you get inside the OS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, one of the things they haven't talked about is which browsers are going to be included on here. I mean, you can probably get a pretty good guess as who's as to who's going to be on it. You'd assume that Firefox is going to be on it. That's probably about a given. Opera, I would say, is definitely going to be on it because they were the one that yeah. brought this the whole the whole issue to the attention of the EU. So you know they're yeah. going to be there. Chrome, yeah. I'm sure, will be there. Safari, I would guess that Safari would be on there, but I don't know. 
Um, I don't know of any other real popular browsers. Maxton, maybe. I mean, they're a popular IE-based browser. Yeah. But other than those, I don't think of... I can't think of any other major browsers that could be included on that list. Yeah, but think about this. Um, what if this other third-party browser says, hey, how come we can't get on this list? And this other little bitty browser says, hey, I want on this list too. Uh, EU, they are preventing us from being equal opportunity as all these other browsers. I mean, because think about it. I mean, if you look at... Uh, who, who, do you, who do you think has more uh, share, Chrome or Safari? Uh, I would guess Chrome. In, 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 so in the in, in the Windows world, anyway, I we're not. If you don't add in Macs, I would say then then it would be Chrome. Right. So let's say they say, "Hey, we we're a small player, but so so is uh, Safari on on the PC. How come we're not included in the list?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there could be room for that, but at the same time, it kind of depends how they do this. I mean, they could, if they wanted to, they could have a big, long list of um, different browsers where they could make the main big browsers like the IE, the Firefox, and stuff like that, big things, and then underneath that have like a little drop-down box with all the other off-the-wall browsers, and then maybe just before... Um, you choose a browser, it goes out to the internet, gets an updated list of whatever browsers want to be included in the browser ballot. Alright, and, and then, what if these browsers have inherent flaws in them? Is that going to put Microsoft in the position where they have to test third-party browsers just to make sure they're not in a security threat, or have bad memory leaks or crash the OS? Uh, and then, what if their security patches, I mean, do they have to test those passages too? And uh, if it's is it going to be open to anybody? If so, then how can how can, what if the there's a virus in one of the packages? I mean, they're opening up themselves to a lot of third-party applications that have unknown usability experience and unknown problems and security risks. I I just think this whole thing is a really bad idea. But uh, we'll we'll just see how they handle it. Maybe I mean they're smart people. Maybe they figured out something that I just didn't see. Yeah, well, hopefully they can come up with something, but then again, I've never believed in Balmer being the smartest person in the world, so you never know, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of Windows, Windows 7 has been released to manufacturing. Yay, it's been uh, tested, the tires have been kicked, and everybody has signed off on it. So I guess this means that uh, we should get it on time, because there's plenty of time. And uh, I guess this also means that the same Windows 7 team is now working on Service Pack 1. Yeah, I, I would assume that, unless they've, they're have they moving on to a different, the next version of Windows, Windows 8 maybe? I don't know what they'd call it. I still don't understand the whole Windows 7 name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I, I would think maybe a residual part of the team would be left back on the service packs and stuff like that but yeah this apparently it's been released to OEMs I've seen pictures of um, various higher ups from companies like HP and stuff they're picking up their big boxes of uh, Windows 7 and all the goodies that it has and also Windows Server 2008 release 2 has been released to manufacturing as well which I'm kind of curious to see what the changes are in that, because I do run Windows Server on my HP Media Smart Home server, and I'd be yeah. interested in upgrading to that. 
I gotta say, bravo, bravo to the team. I mean, good job all the way around. I mean, if as long as there's no glaring, huge zero-day flaws that come out right when seven comes out, because there always seems to be some little mistake or unknown that just floats out there right when it's released. Or people saying, oh, it doesn't work on my three-year-old HP laptop, but it's actually blue screen or some weird crap like that that they couldn't have found. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this is awesome. I mean, they, it was smooth. It was uh, it was without any problems. It was publicly released uh, RCs, uh, or RC1, I should say. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say, it's, it's this has got to be their best release as in public relations, uh, as in accolades, and uh, as an attention, a lot of people are saying they 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 got a lot of people writing about them, saying this is going to bring them back to Windows. This is going to uh, possibly switch people over from Mac to back to the PC. Um, this is uh, going to make them upgrade um, uh, for both from Vista and from XP. Um, good job, good job. Yeah, I've been using Windows Seven on all my PCs. My my desktop, my netbook, my laptop um, for a long time now, and it's by far the best experience I've had. And up until now, I think my favorite version was always Windows 98, but this by far blows that away. Um, yeah, I've I think they're going to have a lot of success with this. I hear there's going to be a lot of businesses that are supposedly not going to switch to it, but at the same time. I I would say give them at least until after Service Pack One, and I'd bet a lot of them will still switch. So it's it's an impressive piece of software, that's for sure. Yeah, I hope they keep coming up with like uh, I I don't want to say ultimate extras, but things like that, maybe through their um, uh, Windows Live program with different applications. Like I know they already have the Live Movie Maker and stuff like that. I hope they keep up coming up with. Um, ways to add value to the the new OS. Well, I hear the um, Windows Marketplace, which is there will be like a desktop version of the Windows Mobile Marketplace. Which um, for anybody that is a developer, there as of today, they're now accepting submissions for the Windows Mobile Marketplace. But that's beside the point. Um, from what I hear, there's supposed to be like a Windows Marketplace for Windows apps for Windows Seven although I don't believe that's included at this point. Hmm. Which, by the way, this the um, release to manufacturing, the final version of Windows, is build 7600 for those that are curious. And yes, it is on BitTorrent. The legitimate version is on BitTorrent. Although you'll still need your CD keys and stuff, although I'm not sure how long you can go without the CD keys on it. So I personally am just going to wait till I can get it through my legitimate sources. Well, I've heard that 7600 is not necessarily the one on BitTorrent, the gold cold code. Because apparently they found one other problem when they went to escrow mm-hmm. uh, of the 7600. They respun it with the bug fix, but didn't increment the build number, the major build number. So that the first spin without the fix is the one that's on BitTorrent, and the second spin has not yet been released. Uh... I saw something the other day uh, that had the hash, the confirmed hashes from Windows 7 that have been released to the various distributors like Dell and HP and stuff, and they were the exact same as what was the ones floating around on BitTorrent, so I'm not sure. It, it could be. I don't know. 
Yeah, I heard it hasn't gone to Dell yet, I, I, uh, and all the OEMs. I, I heard that it's still like a couple days away. Uh, I saw pictures of... I know at least HP, I'm, I'm pretty sure, that of pictures of the various higher-ups at Microsoft getting their boxes of Windows 7. Let me see if I can fi- try and find those. Yeah. Was that real or was it just ceremony? Uh, it was... They're real, from what I know of. I, I believe it was on... TechCrunch. I don't know. I'm looking now. You know, it'd be faster just to do a search here. Uh, let's see. Uh, now I'm not seeing it. Let's see, there's of course there's no way to sort these by the way I'd like, so I'm... I don't know, I'll have to look those up and see what I can find. Yeah. Although I still well, uh, I still haven't heard if there's going to be like a USB version for like netbooks and stuff. There's still no news on that or a digital download from what I've understood. Digital download is available. At least it, the, the uh, upgrade was available straight from Microsoft. Um, the the news that I am waiting to hear about is the family pack. We we heard that there is a family pack, but there are no details about it. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mention that, if I remember right, yeah, TechNet subscribers and stuff will be able to download Windows 7. Although I don't know if there's a place where a normal person who doesn't have like a TechNet subscription can go and download it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I heard that there should be a version in October. I think maybe earlier in October where they can get. Uh, uh, like a 120-day uh, time bomb version or a 90-day time bomb version. Um, I will be getting it on Friday of next week. Yeah, lucky you. I'm probably going to... I'm probably, from the sense of it, I'm probably going to end up getting it like a month after it's released or thereabouts because when it comes to Microsoft products, I get it through my cousins at Microsoft because they can get it at the company store for a whole lot cheaper. And from what one of them told me, what was it? It's been towards the beginning of the month. They said that something like this, they probably won't get till like about a month after release. So I figure I, I probably won't be getting it till a month after release. So when you get it through the store, is that because it's uh, shrink wrapped? You get the whole box, and you can't get a digital download. Uh, I don't. As far as I know, I don't think they offer a digital download when you go through the company store like that. Or at least on uh, nothing I've ever had before. Okay, well, they need to get with the times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I prefer it this way anyway, although at the same time, I still hate the idea of scratch disks, but that's just a whole separate issue. That's why I want these things on USB disks, on USB drives. Right. But, yeah. Anyway, I suppose we can move along to our next story. Uh, last week we reported on... Palm or i Apple um, disabling the iTunes sync for the Palm Pre. Well, now, just like I predicted, Palm Pre, the Palm has come back and re-enabled iTunes syncing on the Pre. Yeah, I think uh, everybody knew this was going to happen. Palm knew that Apple was going to try to block them, mm-hmm. and so they probably had this just waiting. Uh, say, you know, we'll leave this obvious hole in how to pass their software to block our software. And uh, we're going to come back with this fix. So I bet they had this actually in the planning and in the works uh, for when they left, when they uh, launched the Palm Pre, because they knew Apple would block it. 
Yeah, it seems like Palm's kind of being a big baby about this, because not only did they release this WebOS 1.1.0 fix that fixed that and a bunch of other um, issues and added some new features and stuff, but they've gone and complained to whoever the authority is that governs USB devices, because apparently every device has their own special ID, and I guess they're complaining about how they're not being open about it or they're something like that. But at the same time, in order for this um, new thing to work, for them to still be able to sync with iTunes, they have to display themselves as an iPod, so they're kind of violating those rules themselves. Yeah, that part, I think, is a little whiny. I mean, it's Apple software. They can do what they want. Um, Once you rely on third-party software, you can't Unless you have some sort of written agreement, they, you can't guarantee that you'll always work with them no matter what. Yeah. Um, well, if they were smart, they would do, I think it's like BlackBerry's done, and they're not trying to do something like this. They just created their own client that works with iTunes. Yeah, and they can do the same. And as I said, if if Palm just had an agreement with like Songbird or some open source software and uh, just worked with them... Or, or just made some sort of connector, some plug-in or whatever that talked to the library mm-hmm. and instead of the iTunes software directly. I mean, that would work, too. Um, I think they just want to you know, pick it back on, hey, now we work with iTunes. I, I think they just wanted to, to steal some of the thunder from Apple and move it towards Palm. Yeah, this is just one just bad idea from Palm. Everybody kind of thought that this would be like the savior of Palm, and it doesn't. And the, every day that goes by, it just seems like a bigger and bigger mess. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, if Apple blocks them again, and then they do something again, then that's when it starts to sound a little petty. Mm-hmm. Um, open up a dialogue, figure out how to make this work. If it's not going to work, deal with it. I mean, deal with it, and mm-hmm. just figure out what plan B is. If this is plan A, come up with a plan B and make sure you you know you move towards that. Yeah. Yeah, well, well there's a whole lot more discussion on this, uh, which I'll refer everybody to this week's Twit, This Week in Tech, twit.tv. Um, there's all kinds of stuff about this particular story that goes a whole lot more in-depth than we're going on it, having to do with, like, lost leaders and margins on sales and stuff like that, which is really interesting, so make sure to check that out. But we have one more story left, and we're running... Eh, I think we're doing okay on time, but we still got one more story left anyway. I think this... Uh, I have two left. Okay, what'd I miss? Which one are you seeing? Oh, I forgot to open up the last story. I didn't open it up. Okay. Okay. I was thinking the AMD story is the last story. Okay. AMD story is this story. We still have one more after that one. But apparently, okay. AMD is partying hard after shipping shipping their 500 millionth x86 processor. So how hard full did dis- you party? Full, <laughs> full disclosure, I am an employee of AMD. Uh, my views and opinion are my own and do not reflect necessarily what my company's position and uh, values are. <laughs> uh, party? Uh, we didn't party, actually. I, I I heard about this this morning, and I saw the press release, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. 
<laughs> but uh, there's barely a mention of it at work, at least in the building I'm in. Hmm. Well, the way the story on Engadget made it sound like there was some great big huge party in uh, Silicon Valley or whatever for it. Oh, possibly. Um we're in Austin. We're not in Silicon Valley, so it could be at the headquarters. Also, I'm in the software division, so I'm not in hardware. So there's a possibility that some of this just totally could have gone over my head. Yeah, well, you should have at least gotten some cake or something. Yeah, we all should have gotten a cake or some banners or some T-shirts or something. But uh, the 500 million x86 processor—that's pretty badass. I mean, that's a lot of chips. Half a billion. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's. Last I heard, and this may have been like a year or two ago, I believe there's a billion computers that are out and running right now, so that's like half of those, or, well, probably not quite half, but I'm not sure where market share stands at this point. But It's probably over a billion if you yeah, it is take now. it out. Well, I'm saying of, of AMD um, processors, if you take out, if you, if you include all the silicon chipsets, Mm-hmm. Uh, the video cards uh, when we sell handheld units, when we sell uh, chips for HD TVs, um, and you talk, you know, there's geodes, there's the laptop, one laptop per child. There's a whole bunch of other uh, things. I wonder if, if actually included in this. Yeah, I would think that a lot of those aren't. I'm, I'm guessing this is probably just processors that have been yeah, just, sold in the yeah. last 40 years that the company's been around. Yeah. That would be my take. And apparently, although don't know exactly when, but Intel shipped their 500 millionth a while ago. Uh, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Then again, Intel's in most everything just about. Yeah. I just hope that they did something special for that one person who got that 500 millionth processor. You know, like, what, um, what was it that, that uh, Apple did when they got to like a million iPods or a million songs sold on iTunes. They did something special, right? Uh, I don't know if they did. I know when Netflix hit a billion DVD rentals or whatever, whoever had the billionth got a lifetime membership to Netflix for or whatever. But generally stuff like that I've never been a big fan of. Just because why this one person, especially if all along you've been purchasing this particular product... And someone who maybe this is their first time purchasing it, or purchased it accidentally or whatever, gets all this great stuff, yet you've been loyal to the company for all these years and you don't get anything. Uh, word of mouth was tons. That one yeah. person will be speaking about AMD the rest of his life. True. <laughs> and telling everybody, hey, hey, look what I have. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's a one-time expenditure, but it could it could be awesome uh, little in his little community, spreading the word. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Whatever. I, I, it, it's, I mean, or you can get cake to every employee of AMD. Yeah, yeah. Either one, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, that would be good too. But, yeah, congratulations to everybody at AMD. I've, I don't even know the last time I purchased a non-AMD processor. Actually, I don't think I ever have, come to think of it. And why would you? Yeah. Well, I've always just kind of seen AMD as the better bang for your buck bang for your buck yeah it's definitely they're, um, they're generally just, cheaper mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah sorry the the bad side of my brain is 
is yelling at me, so I think we should move to the next story about uh, value, and it looks like uh, a lot of people aren't finding too much value in the New York Times and their uh, and their advertisements. Yeah, well, full disclosure here, I do subscribe to the New York Times on my Kindle, and I love it. Hang on. Okay, well, I, I guess I'll take over. So it seems like year over year, since the fourth quarter of 08, uh, ad revenues have declined for uh, New York Times. Uh, this specific story seems to focus on New York Times online revenue, which is just a fraction of their overall uh, advertising revenue. Yeah, this this uh, I believe it said this is uh, 68 million dollars out of 702 million dollars in revenue. So this is just a real small fraction of it, but it's down. 15.5% from last year. Yeah, I, I wonder how much of this is the um, is the economy causing this. Mm-hmm. Um, relative to the rest of the market, is advertising online going up? Or is this just uh, most of their online advertisement was in conjunction with their print advertisement? Mm-hmm. And as the print goes down, the online goes down because those are the same group. Yeah, well, I don't know. I've, I've never been a big fan of online advertising as a business model. I mean, yeah, it, it works if you got a ton of people, but for the most part it just pays so little that it's not that if you can get money fine, but it really it's, it's not something you should depend on by any means. Well, yeah, you you should uh I like the freemium model. Mm-hmm. That that seems to work the best. Um offer something for free and give a nice little uh Small incremented bump up uh, with the with the with some money and, and get uh, some premium benefits. Um, I I I think this is sad to hear. Of course, that uh, a, a staple like the New York Times is having some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I I think what the issue is is that of course it's uh, click throughs and traffic that uh, demands a premium for advertising. And the thing is, the New York Times. Is uh, competing against um, destinations that specialize in one area. Like if you think of the TMZs, if you think of the ESPNs, they they are exceptional at what they do because they only do one thing. And when you look at the New York Times, they're trying to be everything to everybody. And so um, only if they can come to the point where their technology section can rival any other technology section their their entertainment section can rival any other properties uh entertainment section i think that's the only way to compete is to stop selling new york times as the new york times and start selling the sections as rivals to these other uh niche properties on the internet yeah they they need to do something different i mean i love my subscription to the new york times i read it daily and i think it's probably the best thing i have on my kindle and a lot of the stories I read in there are stuff that I don't usually see on the blogosphere till the next afternoon or something like that, or afternoon of the same day, whatever. But I think there's two big things that are really hurting them. One is a lot of people, especially the people that are ad- adopting Firefox, which I think is what their market share now is like 25%, something like that, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of those people have the ad block extension so that's going to block a lot of the ads from like AdSense and stuff like that right there and I think that's a big part of it and I also think the fact that you have to 
register for their website to be able to view articles online is a very big part of that. A lot of people don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, not being able to share um, articles with friends, I think, is a big part of it. And um, I, I'm glad they're on the Kindle. Um, uh, I think they also have an iPhone app too. Uh, but I think they, I think they should they should uh, try to spread their their message instead of being more confined and get more eyeballs if they're truly concerned with um, traffic and advertisement. Yeah, they've got to do something. I think it's one of the hardest things when you're in something like a newspaper business where you don't have really a core subject that you talk about all the time. I mean, when you look at like an engadget you know the kind of stuff that they're going to be talking about. But when you looking when you look at something like a newspaper, like the New York Times, every day they, the stories are different. Um, there are stories from around the world, and they could be anything and everything, so you never really know what your ads are going to be, what kind of content is going to surround your ads to know just how well-placed your ads are going to be. And I, I think that's going to be, I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, maybe they should just uh, try to get better demographic information about the users who do utilize their site. That could add to, uh, add more value to as to make sure they have more targeted advertising, more relevant advertising. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of things they could tweak, and hopefully that they're aware of this story and they're making the changes they need to. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. I'm sure. Wait another quarter, and we'll have. Even more, even better, an even better picture of what their online advertising is like. But hopefully, it won't drop any more than what it already has. Right. Yeah. I think nobody wants to see anybody lose any more jobs. Yeah. Well, especially the New York Times. I've really gotten to enjoy that paper. But yeah, that's, that's the only newspaper I read. I mean, we got the local one around here, and it's a decent paper. But they don't cover anywhere near what something like the New York Times covers. Yeah, that'll be a sad day, the day it closes, if that happens. Yeah. Well, I guess that would be all of our stories. I hope I didn't miss any more. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I think that's been several episodes now where I just skip over one or something like that. I don't know if my browser just doesn't like to open them all at once or if I just don't click on them good enough or what my issue is. I think you're just testing me. Yeah. i got to keep you on your toes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Got to earn my keep. Yep. But anyway, all of the stories that we talked about, you can, of course, find at globalgeeknews.com. Uh, any comments, suggestions, whatever, you can either leave them in the comments section at globalgeeknews.com, or, of course, you can always email me, pcnerd37, at globalgeeknews.com, or you could Twitter me at pcnerd37, or better yet, Twitter Global Geek News on Twitter. Yes, that's right, we now have a Twitter account for Global Geek News, so whenever a new podcast is up, you'll find out there. Whenever there's something new on the blog, that'll be the first place that it gets tweeted to, and then, of course, I'll turn around and tweet it on my account as well. But that's the first place that'll get it, so make sure to follow Global Geek News on Twitter. And I can't think of anything else. Oh, and if you're if you'd be interested in advertising on the show, drop me a line also. We could always use some ad money. Or any money. 
Yeah. <laughs> or if you just want to send like some hardware products for review, I can. I'm always in looking for new gadgets, so do that too. Um. How long has Global Geek News been had a Twitter account? Uh. Actually, it's probably been two months, maybe something like that. Okay. It's just okay. I never really started using it much until about the past two weeks or so. Okay. But yeah, I've had it for a little while just so that way no one else would try and jump on it. But yeah, I haven't done a whole lot with it until the past two weeks, but now I've got everything from the blog. As soon as it's posted, it goes there. As soon as a podcast is posted, it goes there. And I'll post various random things on there as well. I, I, I don't know. I haven't decided, but I might... Ah, shoot, I just stabbed myself with a toothpick. That hurt. Ooh, don't... Yeah. Yeah. Th- don't do that. Stab... Stabbing yourself in an open wound with a toothpick is not a good idea. All right. There's the your, more you know. There's your <laughs> daily tip. So um, now I completely lost where I was going. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's the Twitter account. So feel free to send some app messages, some comments to it, whatever. And you yeah. are Wesley83 on Twitter. Yes, I have been known to use the Twitter uh, yes, I'm Wesley83 on Twitter. Uh, I talk about my life, my job, uh, my home. I talk about all everything there is to me. If, I'm very responsive. You at me, I'll at you back. Uh, uh, say hi and say where you came from and how you heard about me. Yeah, same pretty much with me, except I more tweet various news links from the day, various tech news links. I mean, if you if you go if you visit my friend feed page or even or you can just go visit my Twitter page and you can see all the links and stuff that I've twittered today. But even on my friend feed, which you can follow me there, I don't use it, but you're welcome to follow me there, comment if you want, and then if you do comment, I'll see it and then I'll come back and comment on it. But gen- otherwise, I don't really use friend feed anymore. I've just kind of given up on it. But yeah, most of my stuff is generally links and stuff. So well, I will say quite a bit from time to time, but most of its links but anyway I guess that is our show for this week don't forget to check out next week oh and if you happen to have any recommendations for guests you would like to see on the show um, either stick them in the comments uh, get a hold of me on Twitter either account is fine I don't care which but just if you have any suggestions let me know if there's a guest that we've had on before that you'd like to hear again let me know and we'll get them on But anyway, I guess that's our show for this week, so we will see you next week. Later. All right, bye.